God is good, isn't he? Ooh, I think that I've been excited about this, this service and God is moving in our midst and changing hearts. And I just love what he's doing uh, within our body. Amen? Amen. So um, each, each time that we gather, um, we, we do it to allow God to speak to our hearts uh, in, in a way that, you know, that, that group of people getting together, it's, it's a different experience than watching it online, all you people watching online or everything. You know, you really got to get into the presence of God with a group of people that love each other and love God. Amen. There's just something different about getting together to worship God. And um, today we're going to be digging into the book of Ephesians to discover some of the, the spiritual blessings that we can receive when we place our faith, our hope, and trust in Jesus. Amen? In Jesus. Uh, the book of Ephesians is dedicated to sharing these, these, these kind of uh, things that are true because of Christ, who we are in Christ. And in 52 A.D., going back all the way to 52, the year of 52 A.D., the Apostle Paul traveled to Ephesus, this, this city. And he, he, he dedicated two years of his life to starting a community of believers there. And then years later, Paul ends up in a Roman prison and, and he writes a, a letter to this church in Ephesus, um, the one that he started. And, and in his letter, as he's writing it, you can, you can kind of see this progression of things in his letter. Uh, there's, there's two basic movements in this letter. The first movement is focused on the if. Okay. Chapters 1 through 3 establish that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, which we just celebrated here this morning in, in the form of uh, the communion, that his life, death, and resurrection is the climax of human history. It's, it's what changed everything because he's the Son of God. His work on the cross just Changed it all. The second movement in the letter focuses on the end. The then statement. We, we, we have this if-then statements. Okay? If-then. If this, then this. Okay? Chapter 4 through 6 concentrates on um, flesh, fleshing out how the work of Jesus impacts our story, how it changes us personally, and how it changes our community and changes the world. The two sections of this letter are divided by a very important word. And that word is therefore. Therefore. Paul is trying to say that if indeed the first three chapters of Ephesians are true, Therefore, the last four or three chapters, excuse me, must be the outcome. 
The key is if we are in Christ. If we are in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise and we thank you, Lord God, for today. And Lord, as we dig into your word, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bring it to life in us. So that we can realize being in Christ means that we are changed in more ways than one. And help us, Lord God, to live our lives according to what we read in your word, empowered by the Holy Spirit, because of the blood of Jesus. Amen. So Ephesians chapter 1. Paul actually identifies his, his, who he is in this letter, that he's the one writing to, let, to, to the church at, at Ephesus. And it says, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people, in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Paul starts out the tone of this letter being one of praise. He stated there that there are incredible blessings available to us. And these blessings will be fleshed out over the next six chapters. But Paul offered in his first three verses the condition of this blessing. He says it twice. First in verse 1, to the faithful in Christ Jesus. And then again in verse 3. Christ blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Notice Paul wanted us to see the key to everything that he was about to share was, about, uh, was found in being in Christ. We can't do it our, on our own, in ourselves. We can't even do it as a group of people. It must be in Christ. Brings us to point number one there, that being in Christ is about position and identity. The Greek word that Paul uses here is en, E-N. Sounds very familiar to the way that it's translated in English, which is in. Okay, this word, it's a preposition. And, and to be in Christ is first and foremost about position. It's about proximity. You see, the proper response to what Jesus has done for us on the cross are repentance and belief. Repentance means that we've changed our course. We've recalculated our trajectory. Before faith in Christ, we were headed in our own direction. We were doing our own thing in pursuit of sin. But in response to God's love... Christ's mercy and sacrifice, we turn 180 degrees, 180 degrees, which means that we're instead of going this way, the way that we want to go, doing everything that we want to do, sin. We turn our back on that. 
And we head towards God, towards Christ, doing everything that He wants us to do. Stepping towards Jesus in faith, in trust, in, and in belief. That's where we found in Christ. He said it another way in, in the, to, a, to a church in uh, Corinth. Um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. We are changed positionally. There were a new creation. The old ways of life have, have become a thing of the past. There are new ways of living that come from being around Jesus. Being in Christ is about position and proximity. It's like the more we hang around Jesus, the more our, our, our identity changes. It's like if you, if, you, if you get a new bunch of friends. You ever, you ever realize this? You, know, you, you start hanging around some different people. You, your, your attitudes will change. Your, your vocabulary will change. It's... it's it's like we pick up mannerisms, mannerisms, excuse me, the way of speaking, their interest. We're not looked at by our, uh, or identified by our old markers because things change. We're identified in a new, uh, a new way, in, in, in light of our relationship with Jesus. There's another way Paul fleshed this out, this idea about being in Christ. It's about our position, but it's also about our identity. Jesus, um, Paul, Paul tells us that we are, we are no longer our old self, but we are a new creation. And then he tells the church at Colossae, or Colossians 3.12, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, uh, gentleness, and patience. We are to clothe ourselves with Christ-likeness. We are to, to look like Jesus. The Greek word that uh, Paul uses here can be translated as to clothe yourself. Put on a new cloak, a new jacket. The virtues that he's talking about here, the way of living that we are to cover ourselves in. We become found in them. You know, I, uh, I almost brought my, um, my high school band jacket in here, but I was embarrassed because I couldn't fit it anymore. Um, Course, it's been 30 years, right, since I could, uh, since I graduated from high school. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because, you know, when I was in high school, I wore that jacket everywhere. And you could see that I was in 
Andover marching band. And I had all the patches on it from all the, you know, the awards and stuff that we had, you know. And I was immediately telling the world that I was affiliated with Andover Senior High Marching Band. Yeah. That I played, I actually have a, my name and trumpet on there. So everybody knew that I played trumpet in the band, you know. Um, but to put on Christ means that we wear him in the way that we act. And it identifies us as being one that follows him. That's so important. As much as our position matters, our identity matters too. Being in Christ, we should be easily identified by our compassion. We should be able to be identified by our kindness, our humility, our gentleness, our our patience. Being a Christian changes our positions before God. But it should also change our identity before people. So here's my plea this morning. I believe that being found in Christ is the most important thing about us. Repenting of sin and drawing near to Jesus. Believing that he is who he says he is and actually living like it. So important. Because point number two, being in Christ affects every part of our lives. Every part of our life. After Paul introduces this idea of being found in Christ in Ephesians, he didn't didn't leave us there uh, hanging very long because he starts out in in, in verse four there. Ephesians chapter one, verse four says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption uh, to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through the blood, through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished upon us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. To be put into effect when the time reaches their fulfillment. To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Verse 11, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we, who were the first to, be, to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. 
I know we went through that rather fast, but there are five different blessings that come from placing our hope, our faith, our trust in Jesus. If we are in Christ, we are chosen. We are adopted, redeemed, purposed, and sealed. I would imagine that if we actually took these things to heart and believed them to be true about ourselves, if we believe we were chosen, if we believe that we were adopted, redeemed, purposed, and sealed, it would drastically change the way we live out our life each and every day. And if you are in Christ, these things are true about you. If you're in Christ, you are chosen to be a blessing. Many scholars believe that the reason being chosen is a result of being in Christ is because the author is trying to tie together what is happening in the early church and what took place in, in Jewish history with a man named Abraham. In Genesis, if you go back to Genesis chapter 12, God chose Abraham and his family. He does not, however, choose Abraham to the exclusion of everybody else, to all others. He chooses Abraham to be a conduit of the blessing to the entire world. To the Jewish mind and the early church mind, being chosen was not an elite privilege that was not afforded to all. Rather, being chosen in Christ gives us the responsibility to let others in on the good news. Look at how Paul says it in verse 11 and 12. If the believers, if, the, if his readers were the first to put their hope in Christ, it implies that there would be others to follow. It is predestined because the plan all along was for Jesus to be the vehicle of salvation. Abraham was just the first in his time to know about it. Though just in part, in the same way, some of us here today were the first to know about it. But it's not meant to be kept to ourselves. We are chosen to share the good news with others. Hmm. God didn't choose you to be in Christ. So that you could just shrivel up into your corner of the, the neighborhood and just be. Now, it's like, you know, when my kids were growing up, there were, there were times when we had the youth group over at our house. A lot of it was fun. Most of it was fun. Some of it was really funny. But anyway, you know, if, if the ice cream man, if they, were there, if they were there and the ice cream man came by, who do you think that I would tell first about the ice cream man being outside? It'd be my kids. Hey, Mike, ice cream man's outside. Now, what do you think he would do if I told him that? 
Hey, everybody, the ice cream man's outside. Hey, Brian, let's go get us some ice cream, you know? Right. Hey, John, let's go to, get some ice cream. You see, I may choose him to hear about it first. But the reality is, I just wanted him to spread the word, right? We may hear about it first. But let's face it, we should not be the last to hear about it. If you are in Christ, you are chosen. And the way you... The way you respond to that in faith is to bless others with the good news. But there's more blessings. If we are in Christ, we are adopted to be part of the family of God. Amen. Behind this letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians is the monumental shift in terms of who was considered the people of God. As the good news of Jesus spread from Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, God was opening up his family to individuals that were outside of the Jewish heritage. Now, this was not just the first time that this had happened. If you read the Old Testament, you can see plenty of times when there there were those who were outside of the Jewish faith or family, the Israelites, They became part of the family. And some of them, you would think, man, why in the world would God allow a prostitute to end up one day being the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus? But think about it. Anyone outside the Jewish culture was known as a Gentile, and they were being invited into God's big plan to rescue and redeem the world. God's family was expanding, and the Gentiles were being adopted into it. Our spiritual adoption takes place by God's grace, and it ensures that we have a loving Father who will meet every need. It ensures that we will receive an inheritance of resurrection and eternal life through Jesus. It also makes us brothers and sisters in Christ. This is one reason why being found in Christ is such a powerful truth. You are grafted into the family and adopted by a heavenly father who can love you and fill you with joy. If we are in Christ, we are redeemed to be free. The Bible tells us that we have redemption through the blood because of the riches of God's grace that he has lavished upon us. Paul uses a very interesting word here to describe this blessing in Christ. He said we have redemption, which is which is the Greek word apolotrusis, which means to be released based upon a payment of ransom or to buy back. The origins of this word come uh, from Roman slave markets because the, the extensive military 
uh, that, that Rome had, they would go back and they would capture individuals in battle and they'd bring them. And um, it caused a steady flow of slaves who would be sold at market. In chains, they would be brought before the crowd and sold to the highest bidder. And there was on occasion someone who would come and purchase a slave only to remove their chains and let them go free. Those individuals were redeemed. The picture that Paul is paying here is born of this background. According to the Bible, when we are sinners, we are slaves to sin. We are in bondage to sin. And the evil one has control over us. But in Jesus, we have been redeemed because of the the blood of Jesus. He has paid that debt. The blood of Jesus has covered us and broken our chains so that we may walk in freedom. This means that you don't have to sin anymore. That sin has no power over you. But Paul wanted to make one thing very clear. It is not because of our hard work. It's not because of anything that we have done. It's not because we deserve it. It is the grace of God that He has lavished upon us. Now that lavish is a a good word. It means exceedingly enough or overflowing. I like to think of it Like when I have toast with cream cheese or bagels with cream cheese, okay? I mean, we may have one of those blocks or one of those tubs of of cream cheese, but when I make my cream cheese toast or my bagel with cream cheese, you can ask my wife. It's just not a little bit of in there. I put in on it with a knife and I spread a little bit on there and then you can barely see it. Now, I lavish that stuff on there, man. Like half a tub, baby. There is only one gram of sugar in two two tablespoons of cream cheese. And I might put two or three grams of sugar on with that. Okay? It's lavished on there. It's put on there abundantly. It's as thick as I can get it and still not make it squirt all over my face, right? It's lavished on there. That's how God lavishes His grace upon us. He just gives it to us abundantly. Oh, hallelujah. He just puts it on all over. Yes. In Christ, God has lavished his grace upon us and has brought us back by his shed blood on the cross. And then the next blessing that Paul tells us about, that we are purposed to live on purpose. Paul told us that in Christ, he has made the mysteries of his good and perfect will known to us. Each one of us, has been put together, has been knit together. God created you in your mother's womb for a purpose. God wired us. He designed us just the way that we are supposed to be. You have purpose. 
Now, sin has broken and made us sinful. But because of that grace that is given to us, lavished upon us, because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, he, he gives us this grace-filled ability to be renewed in him. Mm. Restored completely and fully equipped for the purpose for which we were originally made. I am heartbroken when I look around and I see people who are living with no purpose. They're living without this, this, this drive to be a part of something bigger than themselves. They forget or they have forgotten or they have been lied to that they were created incorrectly or they were made with no purpose they were an accident there are no accidents with God for some of us our days consist of waking up eating breakfast going to work for eight hours, going home for dinner, and then going to bed just to do the same thing the next day. Can I just say that you were made for more than that? I don't care what your job is. If you're flipping burgers, you aren't just made to just flip burgers or to sell used cars or whatever it is you do. Your greatest purpose on earth is being a witness for the kingdom of God in everything you do. Say this. If you're making an honest living, doing hard work, you can still be a witness for God. Doesn't matter what you're doing. Others may look down upon you, but you know what? God has given you a purpose. People without purpose is like uh, in Alice in Wonderland. You know that fairy tale, Alice in Wonderland? She goes down the, down the rabbit hole and she gets into this disorienting world known as Wonderland. And she has this conversation with this Cheshire cat. And she says, would you tell me please which way I ought to go from here? The Cheshire cat says, well... That depends a good deal on where you want to get to. We say that again. Well, that depends a good deal on where you want to get to go. That's what it is. It's a question about purpose. And and that question has a lot to do with the way we live our, our daily lives because this is what Alice responds. She goes, I don't much care where. She just wanted to get out of where she was. She didn't care where she was going to go. The cat says, then it doesn't matter which way you go. 
When we live without purpose and direction in our lives, any choice is a fine choice because any result will do. Right? No purpose. You can do anything you want. Who cares about the result? But when we are revealed the mystery of God's intention for our lives, every choice matters. Every conversation matters. Every moment with our spouse, our children, our our friends, all of it matters. And whether you're sitting at a desk or or you're working with your hands on a vehicle, that is your mission field. And even the mundane becomes meaningful. Then lastly, if we are in Christ, we are sealed to be faithful. I thank you for your patience with this. Paul said that when we become followers of Jesus, we receive the indwelling spirit. He takes up residence inside of us. Paul called it a deposit because it is the initial investment in what is an eternal outcome. The Spirit is the seal and sign that we are God's, and it gives us guidance and direction. Here's the good news. God always keeps his side of the bargain. He is always faithful. We are sealed in him by his love. The question becomes, are we faithful When we find ourselves tempted to forget about God and live life out on our own, the Spirit of God can nudge us and remind us that we are not our own. We have been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. We belong to God. If we are in Christ, these amazing spiritual blessings are ours. We are chosen. We are adopted, we are redeemed, we are purposed, and we are sealed. The hard part is us living it out in our lives every day. Maybe this morning, the first decision you need to make is to receive the grace and the mercy of God and repent of your sins so that you can be found in Christ. And as we close, I'm going to invite you to do that this morning. Being found in Christ changes everything. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I praise you and I thank you, Lord God. I pray for those who want to make that change in their life, Lord God, but can only do it through you. Lord, I pray that as we close out this morning, that those who want to make a commitment and receive your grace and your mercy, that love, Lord, that they would just cry out to you. God, that they would pray and thank you for loving and for sending your son to pay for our sins. Father, we want to be found in Jesus, in Christ. So God, 
we repent of our sins. Lord, and we receive your mercy and forgiveness, your grace. And God, we thank you that we have these spiritual blessings because we are found in Christ. That we are no longer ourselves, but we are, we are bought with a price and belong to you. And we thank you, Lord God, for choosing us, for adopting us, for redeeming us, for giving us a purpose, and for sealing us with the, your Holy Spirit, Lord God. And we just thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Now my prayer is, Lord God, those of us who are believers, that we would leave this place and walk in the truth that we have learned today from your word. And Lord, that we would realize that we can live in Christ Jesus, that we can live by the Spirit. but only because of who you are. Help us to look, react. Help us to talk and live like Jesus in the world that desperately needs to know him. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. Praise God. Now let me encourage you this morning. As you do live, as you do leave here and live your life out. Do it in a way that you know that you are in Christ with all those blessings that we talked about this morning. Amen? Don't worry about what the world says around you. Be different. Love. And give grace and mercy. Amen? Let's stand. Lord, as we stand in this place today, Help us, Lord God, to stand for you as we leave this place. Help us to bring glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.